Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am really excited to have Ryan Gottfriedson back on the program. He is a cutting-edge leadership development consultant, author, trainer, and researcher, and he is the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of Success Mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success in your life, work, and leadership. He's also a leadership professor at the College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. And when we last talked on the podcast, Way back in uh, episode 330, Ryan had just released his book. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you today, Ryan. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Man, you've done a lot of these. There have been a lot. So this is episode 394, if you can oh believe it. Wow. Yes. And it's uh, it's it's been so much fun to just learn from people. And um, you have a doctorate degree that was a ton of work. And I feel like this is my own personal doctorate degree that I'm conferring upon myself. For, for all sure. the research and all the learning that I've done, it just feels like it's been monumentous. Kudos to you. That speaks to your drive and your tenacity for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. And if you didn't listen to episode 330 and you're new to the show or been to, new to the show in the last year or so, that is definitely one that you need to go back and listen to. He talks about his book, Success Mindsets, which we'll probably touch on some of that today, but that's not really our focus today. But that book was life-changing for me because like most educators, I've been inundated with fixed and growth mindset and Ryan opened the doors to me and showed me that there's so many more mindsets than just those two. And so definitely go back and check that out. You can get that episode at jethrojones.com slash podcast slash episode 330. And the link will be in the show notes for this one. Uh, also at jethrojones.com slash podcast. So you'll be able to find uh, all that information there. So today, however, Ryan, we want to talk about this idea of vertical development. And when you when you mentioned this to me a couple of weeks ago, I thought about it and thought, what does vertical development mean? I, I think we just develop. And so there's some lack of understanding on my part with that. So tell us what vertical development means as opposed to the type of development that we usually get. Yeah, great question. And this has been a huge light bulb moment for me because I do leadership development and I've done this for a long time. And I've just always thought that development is development. And what I've recently began to better understand is there's two primary forms of development. There's horizontal development and there's vertical development. 
And to just kind of briefly uh, explain the difference between the two is horizontal development is like adding an app onto an iPad. It's something that broadens our functionality. It allows us to do more. So this is usually, this type of development is learning new skills, gaining new knowledge, trying to acquire new behaviors. What I've seen people who talk about vertical versus horizontal development is that maybe 95% or more of all development focuses on this horizontal development, broadening the things that we can do. But I think particularly when we start to talk about leadership development and even more personal development is really what we have in mind is vertical development, elevating who we are as a person. So this isn't adding an app onto an iPad. This is upgrading the operating system altogether. And so vertical development is about enhancing and elevating our mental maturity and complexity so that we could better navigate uncertain and complex environments. Just to kind of play off of this just a little bit is in my home, we've got an iPad that's now over six years old. And we could, it's now to the point where we can now no longer add on many apps because the new apps are no longer compatible with this old operating system. And this is what will happen to us if we don't vertically develop is at some point in time, we are relevant to the marketplace. But over time, as other development occurs around us, the way that we currently operate is no longer going to serve us. And and it won't become a function of just adding new apps onto who we are. We've actually got to develop ourselves. We've got to enhance ourselves vertically. We've got to lift our altitude so that we're seeing things from a different and better perspective. So that's a decent initial overview on these two topics. Do you have anything to add there, Jethro? No. Well, I just appreciate that approach because I think of the times where I have vertically developed and certainly on this podcast, there are a few key interviews where I feel like I have and you're back on the show because episode 330 was one of those for me. So give yourself a pat on the back. (laughs) But I think about other things that I've learned that have expanded my ability and, and belief system to where I thought and believed more than I did before. So it wasn't about adding additional things to it. It was about elevating my mindset. And so there are a couple of things that I just want to address. Number one, was when my daughter was born and she had Down syndrome. And I thought one thing about education and, you know, when you're, when you're younger and all your, your siblings are having kids, at least in my family, I've got three brothers and three sisters. So we always like had these competitions of whose kid walked first or said their first word or all that kind of stuff. Once we realized what Down syndrome was and what that would do, we realized that she wasn't going to develop like everybody else and that she was going to be dead last in all of those milestones And so instead of feeling like, oh, our kid is dumb, which we've never thought because nobody would ever think that about their own kid. (laughs) We didn't ever think that. We thought, okay, we're just going to be really excited when she does these things. And once I realized that, I couldn't help but apply that to all the students that were in my schools um, that I've ever worked with, that they didn't have to get the same, get a good grade or score a certain amount at a certain time for them to have value in my eyes. And, and that was a really powerful thing for me to 
recognize that the way kids develop is up to them. And so all during the pandemic, as schools have been closed and people have been worrying about kids like falling behind and and not having the same opportunities as they did before, what I've been able to take away is that there's really no such thing as falling behind. That only happens when we compare kids to one another. So my daughter was always behind compared to her cousins. However, she was never behind where she was developmentally. She was always right in the right spot. And once I recognized that it's impossible for kids to do that, that was a system upgrade for me because I it changed how I looked at people and it changed how I looked at kids and adults. And I think made me a better human being first and a better leader as well. And so as those times have come, I've seen when I've had a vertical development versus a horizontal development and learning how to do like RTI in a school response to intervention or PBIS in a school, those are definitely horizontal developments because they're teaching us how to do additional things in a school, but they're not the vertical piece that's teaching us how to upgrade our own, our own systems thinking. And so I really appreciate that analogy and having had old iPads as well. I know how that could be frustrating when you reach your limit, you know? (laughs) And so I think that analogy does carry pretty well. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, Thank you for sharing about your daughter. I think one of the things just to keep in mind, and we may come back to this, is there's two things Mm -hmm. that lead to greater vertical development. One is a crisis and two is deep learning. And and in some ways, I just imagine having a Down syndrome child is a little bit of a crisis, if not a major crisis. Learning how to navigate a world that is completely foreign to you. I imagine that would be be the case, or we could engage in deep learning. And we have, out of those two, we have control over one of those two factors. The way that vertical development experts talk about this is in order to get vertical development, there is a necessary but not sufficient condition. And that is, and the term that they use is heat. There needs to be some heat, some sort of heat that leads to this happening. Now, to make sure that we understand kind of where this fits in, as I think it's valuable to talk about the difference between child development and adult development. So you may know, you probably know the child development side more than I do, Jethro. But my understanding is that there is mountains of research that has been done on child development. There's been uh, some hills of research that has been done on adult development. What I just kind of broadly explain some of the key differences between the two is what I've seen is that with child development, most experts suggest that there's five or more stages that a child goes through from childhood to adulthood. Of course, this is in a limited amount of time, such as 25 years, maybe to get to adulthood. That means that they're going through these developmental stages rather quickly And then the other thing that we need to understand about this is their development is largely just a function of age, that they really don't need to do anything to develop except exist and kind of go through the system, Uh, unless they have some sort of developmental disorder, such as somebody who who may have Down syndrome, right? or, Or may be abused, or there's other factors that may limit their natural development. But it's child development is largely a function of age. 
When we start to get into research of adult development, most experts have really identified that there's three main stages that adults, and I'm going to emphasize this, can go through. And if we think about this, that means that, I mean, adulthood could last for 80 years. These are generally longer-term developmental stages, potentially. It's not a function of age, right? In fact, what research has found is that the majority of people do not, of adults, do not get past the first stage of adult development. This really, when we're talking about vertical development, we this is the same thing as what adult development folks generally talk about in the research, and and the majority of us don't get past stage one. And what this suggests is that adult development is not a function of age; it's much more a function of effort. And this is why I said these heat conditions are necessary but not sufficient because I think every adult goes through stages of heat. But then do they take advantage of those to actually improve the altitude of their development? And so that's really, I think, where our conversation as we go along in this is going to fall into is how do we take advantage of these situations or even initiated ourselves. But I think it's helpful, particularly because we're dealing with educators that are thinking about child development. And really what we are talking about is more of this adult development, or at least what they have in mind. Do you have anything to add? I appreciate that. First, I'll make sure I understand that. And second, I do have a question about the okay. the heat and and how we can help create that heat. There can be a negative connotation, like the heat we experienced as all the schools closed and we had to go on to remote learning. That you know, was definitely some heat. Some people took advantage of that and some people struggled with that. But that was an opportunity, based on what you're saying, right, to be able to start developing ourselves as adult learners instead of as kid learners, where it just happens pretty much automatically. And I I want to highlight that piece about the, the the child development because really kids can kids are going to learn just about no matter what we do in school. A lot of times kids just learn and we don't have to do anything about that. When it comes to applying that heat, how do we apply that heat appropriately as leaders for the people that we're working with? Yeah, and that's, that's a really great question because, again, like I said, there's kind of two approaches, and I'm broadly categorizing them as a crisis, which is this COVID pandemic, right? Do we use this as an opportunity to develop, to see gr- the complexity that is now the case? Are we going to become more adaptable? Are we going to react to this, or are we going to intentionally respond? These are some questions. But then there's the, the deep learning component. And this is the one that we're more in control over. And I think it's helpful to understand, and I'm coming at this from a leadership perspective, is, and to give you a little bit of context here, is I would say almost all leadership development approaches are rooted in philosophies pre-2005. And what that means in context of this is that we've learned more about the mind in the last 15 years in terms of neuroscience than all of time before that. So when we understand these two phenomenon going on is that most leadership development approaches do not include the mind. Unintentionally overlooks the mind, which is the very factor 
is what this is where vertical and horizontal development occurs. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. I created a new podcast with my friend Frederick Lane called Cybertraps. We are exploring the myriad risks and adverse consequences that can arise from the use and misuse of digital devices and electronic communication tools. Please subscribe to the Cybertraps podcast, and if you like it, please give us a rating. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Eric Stevens on the value of identity and being ethical in our work with underserved populations. If I approach my research with the intention of helping a group of people, but I'm using the data that they themselves have created and have been replicated by their their own personal identity, replicated over and over and over and over, my research is already flawed ethically. Some people, that's not a big thing. For me, it was problematic because I didn't want to feel like I was exploiting people, but I still wanted to help. What I ended up creating was I wanted to understand the prison system at the language level across time um, and across space in the United States. Um, Basically, I wanted to understand if we send a person to prison, we're sending them to a correctional facility um, with correctional officers, and we give them handbooks to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. What I wanted to answer was at the language level with the technical documents that we hand to um, an inmate, what are we correcting them to? To what standard are we asking them to be at the language level? Check out more from this interview at cybertraps.com slash seven. It's fitting during this episode where we talk about vertical development to give you some insight on how to vertically develop this year. One way you can do that is to join the mastermind. That's what we do. You're listening to this podcast because you want to get better. I don't want to teach you how to do more things. I want to teach you how to grow your capacity in your leadership, in your coaching, in your support of your teachers. The best place to do that is in the mastermind. Go to jethrojones.com mastermind and let's schedule a time to talk about how the mastermind could help you. That's jethrojones.com mastermind.
And so when we want to help people develop vertically, then I, I think it becomes pretty clear that we've got to focus on the mind, add the mind to our developmental components. But then the question becomes, well, what do we focus on? The mind is incredibly complex. There's multiple parts. It operates in a wide variety of ways. It's got a variety of systems. Well, what I found in my research is that the circuit board for the mind is our mindsets. Our mindsets are literally our long-range neural connections that connect our reptilian brain, our mammalian brain, and our human brain. And they serve as what neurologists call our global neuronal workplace, which is effectively the circuit boards for our mind. So when we start talking about mindsets, then we start to invite people to better look inward and see where they currently stand. And then once we know where we stand, then we could get a better sense of, well, here's where I am, but where do I need to go? And where do I want to be? And then now it elevates, it allows for the conversation for vertical development to start to occur. But without kind of getting clarity on where we are at and evaluating that from a mental perspective, it's really hard to do that vertical development. So I think we can initiate it by having conversations about mindsets. That's really fascinating because as I've had over the last year conversations with people about mindsets and brought up the other mindsets you've talked about, um, it really has opened people's eyes to what else is out there. I remember one conversation that I had with a principal who was basically operating on a inward focused mindset for her whole entire school and was really like trying to think of how can my school serve my people and, and not focused on how our school can serve everybody. And then I talked with Tawana Giles, a principal in George Washington Carver Elementary. I know that's the school name and, <laughs> and I can't remember where it's at, but maybe it's Virginia. She operates on the idea that everybody is a part of how we can serve. So it's not just about doing what I need to for, for our sake, but it's about blessing the lives of everybody who comes into contact with us. And, and I think that that's really fascinating. So how do we have those conversations with people so that they can, they can start to pay attention and start to develop themselves and want to be involved in deep learning? Because that's, that's the other pieces. I, I think maybe a lot of people don't want to be involved in deep learning because that requires extra effort and there's no teacher saying to do it, which is how we typically learn. Yeah, it's a great question. So what I've learned from my experience working with a wide variety of university uh, corporations is that I would say 75% of people, when you just introduce to them the idea of what mindsets are, why they are important, and why they serve as the foundational element for how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. And then we introduce to them different types of mindsets. Then what this does is this naturally kind of gets them thinking, oh, here's where I am, and here's where I need to go. And that's enough to get them to start the journey. I focus on four different sets of mindsets. I didn't create them but I've just pulled them together into one framework. So on, on the negative side of each of these continuums, we've got fixed, close, prevention, and inward. And, and I think to make these come to life really quickly is there they have associative desires. 
their associative desires are to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. Now, these are very justifiable desires because who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? Well, nobody. So I think a lot of people get stuck here with these negative desires and their associative negative mindsets. I think that was that's me, was me for most of my adult life. And we're there just because we don't understand that there's a better or we don't see that there's better desires to operate from and better mindsets to operate from. So on the other side, we've got growth, open promotion and outward. And their desires are a desire to learn and grow, a desire to find truth and think optimally, a desire to reach goals and a desire to lift others. So my experience is, is when we when people see that there's these negative desires and there's these positive desires, immediately they're, oh my goodness, I now see a little bit more clearly where I'm at and I see now where I want to go because I don't want to be on the negative side. So this is enough right there to, to move the needle in a pretty significant way. But for 75% of the people, for about 25% of people, is there a little bit more, they're a tougher sale. And I think that this comes back to the mind, because what I've learned is for these 25% of people that are quite resistant to exploring this, is that the majority of them have at some point in their life been through some form of trauma, either big T trauma or little t trauma that inhibits them from wanting to look inward. So one of the one of the effects that trauma has on us as a way it's a self-protection mechanism but when we experience trauma we try to cut off that pain. We we literally disconnect our mind from our body. And so when we are presented with mindset information that may suggest that we have bad mindsets, we actually choose to resist it and ignore that as a form of self-protection. And and I think that we could even look at this. I mean, it's really interesting to dive into the research on childhood trauma and the impact that it has on children's ability to learn, right? So, but this doesn't go away when we become adults. We've actually got to deal with this. And when we are dealing with this, what we're focusing on is integrating the mind. And really, when we're integrating the mind, this is a form of vertical development. And so, this is kind of coming full circle here. And so we've got to, in order to help people vertically develop, and when we start focusing on mindsets, we're now integrating the mind, we're now focusing on mental integration. And all of this is designed to enhance our vertical altitude, our ability to navigate these complex situations in more effective ways. I'm, I'm thinking about that, I'm processing through and trying to think of what our what our schools would be like if all of the adults or even 75% of the adults were positively focused on vertical development and upgrading themselves and getting better and, and all that. And how, how much better I think that would be for our schools if, if that were happening. Is there like a drawback or a, a hindrance to people developing vertically too much? Like, do they outgrow their situation and say, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher my whole life. And now that I've vertically developed, I realize I need to go do something else. Is, is any of that stuff, is that a, a possible 
problem with doing this kind of vertical development? I think possibly for sure. Yeah. I think it's especially going to be the case. Let's just say we're trying to develop our teachers more vertically. Well, a teacher that develops more vertically is more likely to leave if they don't feel like the system or the administration is open to changing. And because I guess, let me give you an example, the way that I see it playing out. And I work mostly with organizations, but I think the same thing applies within an educational realm. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the default for administrators and really, again, for business leaders is to focus on what is being measured which is typically the outcomes. We're focusing, I imagine, in an educational setting, exam scores of some sort, whether, you know, some sort of aptitude assessments. And the percentage of students that are exceeding different benchmarks, like those are the outcomes that we generally focus on. I'm not saying it's bad to focus on those outcomes, but when we start to vertically develop, we start to realize is this the best place to focus? In other words, these outcomes that we generally focus on, they are lagging indicators of something else. So when we are more vertically developed, we we start to see that there are leading indicators and there are lagging indicators. And then it brings up the question, which is better to focus on? The leading indicators that drive the outcomes or the lagging indicators? And of course, It's going to be the leading indicators, but it's really difficult for a leader to focus on those because they're generally not incentivized. They're not incentivized to focus on these leading indicators. So it really really takes a vertically developed leader to have the courage to focus on these leading indicators. So I think my experience is that when most teachers are frustrated, uh, say they enhance their vertical development, they're most likely going to become frustrated because they feel like administration is focusing more on the lagging indicators than they are the leading indicators. The culture, the environment that will then drive the lagging and providing the resources that will allow for them to hit those outcomes. Uh, And so I think most teachers, if they develop vertically, is they're getting getting frustrated uh, that their leaders aren't more vertically developed and can't see this idea that we're going to be do a better job focusing on the leading indicators as opposed to the lagging indicators. So what is your perception on that? Because you're in this space a lot more than I am. I think that's right. And when you talk about culture being a leading indicator, when you go to school and you're excited to be there, like that's a big deal. But you don't see that necessarily in the end of the year assessments or in your own evaluation as a teacher, for example, but you feel that as a part of going to work every single day. And I've been in positions where I've been super excited to go to work and I've been dreading it and I just have a pit in my stomach thinking about it. Like that's the kind of leading indicator that you're talking about. And nobody is going to give you a raise because you feel good about going to work, right? <laughs> you know, it's just not, it's not going to happen. And outside of education, people could, and in some places in education, people do get bonuses based on how well the kids do on tests. And, you know, that, but that doesn't mean that those kids are feeling good about being in your classroom that day. And it's important for those, those things to matter and to, and to be there. And I, I think this is a really fascinating discussion and something that 
I think I need to think a little bit more about, about what are the leading indicators and the lagging indicators in, in education. And I'm in the middle of writing a book about everything I've learned through this podcast. And what's interesting is that as I'm thinking about the table of contents, of which there's 12 chapters right now, I'm thinking that every single one of those chapters is about a leading indicator. And it would be beneficial to add a a piece about the lagging indicators that we usually measure because nothing that I'm writing in the book is like, here's how it's working because it's more of a feeling. It's more of a um, more difficult to measure. And it's not something that we typically measure. A, a simple thing for a teacher is if you ask, does anybody have any questions? Almost nobody says yes, especially if you're close to the end of class, right? Because nobody wants to ask another question and then be delayed or whatever. And so instead of asking that question, I've often coached teachers to say, what part of this doesn't make sense to you? What part is going to be hard? Or what questions do you have about this? Um, And that is just a different way of asking the same thing, but it's a way that makes people feel comfortable about it and lets you know how people are feeling and doesn't like just move on without paying any attention to what they're, what they might be facing. So Anyway, yeah. definitely, definitely lots to think about. Um, I do want to respect your time and, and go ahead and wrap up here. And I know there's more that we could talk about, and I encourage people to to reach out to you. Can you tell a little bit about what you do if somebody's interested in, in reaching out and connecting with you on that front? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me, you know, share some of that. So the best place to get a hold of me if you're interested is my website, ryangotfordson.com. There on my website, you'll find I have a free personal mindset assessment that you can take, and this will help you better understand where you are at, or particularly relevant to 15,000 other people who have taken the mindset assessment to see what is the current quality of your mindsets and maybe what are some mindsets that could stand to use some improvement. I, I think I focus on mindsets because I've needed that work maybe more than anybody. So focusing on mindsets has been life-changing primarily because it has helped me to better vertically develop. And, and I think that if there, there's no time in at least my memory where vertical development is more needed than right now, as we're coming off of this pandemic where particularly in the education space, we've never seen a change like this, maybe in the history uh, of modern day education with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of complexity. And, and what we will see coming out of all of this is that those who have navigated it well, they had previously vertically developed. The ones that are really struggling with it, with this are the ones that had yet to vertically develop as much as they needed to, to navigate this really complex environment. If you want to focus a little bit more on vertical development with your administrators, with your teachers, then I think it's a a really helpful approach is to focus on mindsets. And and so I'd love to help anybody that, that may have interest in doing so. Yeah. And one thing that you didn't plug that I took advantage of after our last conversation on episode 330 is the digital mindset coach that you offer, which is just a way to train yourself to think more in the positive mindsets rather than the negative. That really helped me. It was a a totally worthwhile thing to do and something that I enjoyed. I just get to see your face three or four times a week and (laughs) and hear your voice. No, I'm just kidding. But it it was really beneficial and certainly helped me. The final question, Ryan, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? 
Great question. I, you probably answer, you probably ask this to me every week and I'll give you a different answer. So my answer this week, I guess, I think will be to listen. And you may feel like you're doing a lot, but I would say particularly to teachers. I think that uh, I feel so bad for teachers um, throughout this pandemic because oftentimes they are left at the mercy of both government and administrators up to the last minute. And they're the ones that are dealing with the fallout um, and the immediate fallout of having to, to deal with a really tough situation. I think there is no, there's nothing that we can do that can better heal, help people heal from any sort of psychological contract breaches than to listen to them. Um, and, and to validate them. I, I think administrators, I hope that we can better do that for the folks that we are leading so that we can help them to heal so that they can navigate uh, their environments more effectively. Very good. I appreciate so much you being here on the podcast. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to learn more from Ryan, go to ryangodfordson.com. And there are links to that in the show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. And thanks again, Ryan. It's been awesome talking to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash principal.